The last of our interviews from the SF Music Tech Files is from Kristen Thompson. She is representing the Future of Music Coalition. You can find them online at futureofmusic.org. They address a lot of the most important issues for musicians and artists these days, uh, including things like radio consolidation, internet neutrality, health insurance, and they did a pretty incredible report recently on the many different kinds of revenue streams now available for artists. Here's Kristen on the Future of Music Coalition. Future of Music Coalition started in 2000. It was um, a realization that, especially 1999-2000, there was a moment in time where things were changing drastically. This was pre-iTunes you know, iTunes Music Store, but Napster had been around. There was the emergence of webcasting technologies. There were early versions of, of MP3-style stores popping up. And, you know, Jenny Toomey and I had co-run an independent record label in the 90s and had lots of friends who were still doing indie label things and releasing music. And we, there was a um, realization that there, there's so much to learn and so many new uh, people to get, you know, sort of to create alliances with. So Future Music Coalition represents um, the effort to try and understand what's going on at the intersection of music, law, technology, and policy. So since 2000, we've been working at, on those issues. We've done a lot of different things. There's, um, our work tends to fall into three areas um, that intersect so, um, or that sort of inform each other. So we do a lot of research, um, and we've done every, research on everything from radio consolidation and payola to musicians' access to health insurance to our entire artist revenue streams research project. Um, we've done a lot of education, which um, usually is associated with our policy summit, but we do um, a lot of, um, you know, infographics, um, spreadsheets, uh, guides that help musicians, mostly musicians, understand this landscape so they have a better sense of how it looks bigger from the bigger picture. And then we do some policy and advocacy work. So we follow what's going on um, in Washington, D.C., and in other jurisdictions and in the courts so that musicians can understand what's going on and participate if they want to. So FMC is also a conduit to help musicians engage in the policymaking. So, I mean, big successes. I mean, I think hmm, there's, there's a lot of really interesting things. I like our work on some policy issues like radio consolidation and payola, the development of low-power FM, which we were uh, part of a coalition to um, push for. Um, we've been very active on net neutrality even since 2005. We've offered health insurance advice to musicians since 2004 and done a lot of research around access to health insurance over the years. And then our Artist Revenue Streams project has a lot of different tentacles to it, not only the research itself, but also the, some of the things we've developed out of the project. One of the biggest takeaways from Kristen is the importance of tracking your finances carefully, both plus and minus. A great article from Jack Conti was published recently. You can find it on Hypebot. Basically, it's a blog of exactly what he spends and what they make uh, on the road with his band Pomplamoose. Jack Conti also has a pretty successful new model called Patreon. Uh, that's a new way of funding musical projects and artistic projects of all kinds. Uh, but back to Kristen, this is a big part of what she feels is missing 
from the average artist. Folks don't think about this very often, but one of the takeaways you could see, especially from our financial case studies, is that as much as we talk about income and revenue generation, you also have to think about the cost side. And you know, understanding and controlling costs and under, you know, keeping track of your expenses, doing budgets, these things can help musicians uh, make sure that they understand exactly how much money they're spending, but also project how they're going to make the money back. Because I think sometimes it's really hard to say, like, I'm going to go out and get a sync license from that movie. Of course, you, that might be a wonderful wish, but can you make it happen is another, another point. But I think having budgets helps you understand if you're going on tour, you know, how many crew can you take, if anybody? How many hotel rooms can you get, if any? You know, so that um, people are prepared a bit about the um, sort of fo focusing on the cost side of things. So there's that. But the other part is maybe opening yourself up to um, other opportunities that might be available in your field. Um, meaning, could you try fan funding a project? Could you do some house concerts? Could you try different types of merchandise? Maybe something limited edition or exclusive? Um, are you interested in sort of VIP experiences at your shows to do maybe a meet and greet or a yoga session, whatever it is? Um, and so there's those kind of things that I think musicians should consider but figure out if it's where, like if they have the capacity and the interest in doing them. But then there's another sort of really basic takeaway, which is that um, there have been so many changes to the music landscape and the way that money flows that sometimes the best advice for musicians is um, take a moment to um, sit down and sort of absorb how you fit in this ecosystem, what kind of work you do. Like are you, if you're a composer, have you signed up with your performance rights organization and have you logged in your repertoire? Like make sure that you have sort of dotted your I's and crossed your T's to make sure you're just not leaving money on the table because you're um, missing out on some of the ways that money flows back to you. One of the biggest opportunities for artists right now is connecting with the basically the digital counterpart to BMI, CSAC, and SCAP. I would think that making sure you're signed up with SoundExchange is important because there's, uh, you know, I think SoundExchange, I mean, continues to grow quarter by quarter in how much they collect and how much they pay, um, which is especially great because they pay the recording artist and the record label directly. So there's no chance that your money being a recording artist gets uh, countered against any debt you have with your label. And if you are your own record label, you get both pieces of the money that is generated through webcasts and through digital performances. So yeah, signing up with SoundExchange, I think, is making sure you're part of it is important because it doesn't cost anything to do and you might see some revenue because of it. As the debate over the streaming models rages on, Kristen mentions a couple of key points here. One, the importance of the discovery process being more robust for fans, and also the ability to connect more directly with the artist. I think that streaming itself is, you know, I, I, you can kind of see that this is the way that consumers are going to start to listen to the music because it just makes sense that having access to the world's, <laughs> the world's recorded history um, through browsers and mobile apps and stuff, it is really makes sense. Um, I think that we are, you know, even though it's been like five or ten years, and in Rhapsody's case, I think 12 years in the marketplace, we have a long ways to go. And 
what, you know, things that Future Music Coalition would like to see are, you know, a better effort amongst most of the platforms for um, embracing, you know, sort of deeper discovery. So, like, say you really are interested in, um, I don't know, um, say you're really interested in Dave Grohl, um, and you know the Foo Fighters, but and you kind of know he was in Nirvana, but what about Scream? Like, what about his history? What about his session work as the drummer for Queens of the Stone Age? Like, can you connect people's musical histories better? This would be especially good for jazz. Um, discovery, drive, making sure if artists have a, you know, start to de develop a fan base, that the fan base that the artist can drive their interested fans to whatever they think is useful. Like, here's my next tour, or here's my merchandise. And I'll tell you, like, Bandpage's um, relationship with Spotify, I think, really helps trying to connect artists to more than just the sound recording, I mean, consumers to more than just the sound recordings. Um, I think that there could be greater transparency about the, both the rates and the way that the money flows, um, which I think would improve um, everybody's understanding. And so it sort of creates a better conversation about how it could evolve over time to be seen as more equitable. Um, and I think data could help too. And you can see some of the services are really starting to give musicians and managers access to the data about the listeners, um, where they are, what kind of characteristics they have. Pandora just released a dashboard. I'm pretty sure Spotify has one too. So that um, you can say, figure out, is this data actionable? Can we learn something from this about our user base that we can use in other aspects, whether it's planning a tour or figuring out whether there's more women or men, you know, like things like that that could help musicians make better choices about things in the future. So, you know, there's, I think we're, we have a ways to go and I'm, I'm excited to see, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see what happens, say, if, which we assume Apple will move into the space pretty soon. So what will that look like? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that I think we have yet to, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement. That is it for our SF Music Tech interviews. Thanks so much for checking these out. There's some really important new companies and ideas happening out there. If you have any suggestions, please give us a shout at peter at artofmusicla.com. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Mandeville Canyon. That's M-A-N-D-E-V-I-L-L-E-C-Y-N. And online at artofmusicla.com. <laughs>